creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Today on Culture Click, I'm joined by Dr. Ken Gretz. Ken Gretz is director of Winona State Technology Learning and Teaching, a social psychologist and a WSU professor. We learn more about him, his role at Winona State, and working from home and the technology that made it happen. Learn more right here on KQAL's Culture Click. So I'm Ken Gretz. I'm the director of teaching, learning, and technology services at Winona State. So that is part of the information technology services department. And our job is to work with students, faculty, and staff to help them get the most out of the technology that we have here at Winona State. And um, so we work very closely with the Tech Support Center. Tech Support Center is more focused on fixing things. We're more focused on helping you learn how to use the tools as intended. Um, and we do that in a, in a bunch of different ways. So um, we do a lot, of, a lot of training and professional development for faculty and staff. Uh, TLT, my, my team uh, is responsible for the digital learning commons in the library, at, in Kruger Library. So that big desk right next to the coffee shop there. Uh, which is mainly for students, just walk-up support for students. Um, and then we also are responsible for all the technology in all of the classrooms and meeting rooms on campus. So any room with a projector or a microphone, uh, that's, that's our neck of the woods. And then um, we also handle digital signage on campus so that that multimedia technology is part of my, my group. Yeah. So in a nutshell, that's that's what we do. So reading up on your bio, uh, you have a doctorate, but I really noticed that you're really humble about it. And like that doesn't seem to be super emphasized about it. And I just think that's really cool. So can you tell us a little bit about what your thesis was on? Yes. Wow. What a great. What a, I didn't expect that question. But um, so I'm a social psychologist. I, I got my Ph.D. from. UNC Chapel Hill in 1992. And um, I was always really interested in uh, group dynamics, uh, intergroup relations. And so my thesis, and I'd, I'd done some, I did some research in grad school around um, racism, sexism, um, and sort of what, it, what, it, what is it about being in a group that makes you want to compete with another group? And so my thesis was about that, was about um, sort of the psychology of being in a group and what leads you to behave differently towards members of other groups versus when you're meeting, you know, interacting with each other as individuals. Um, and so that discontinuity between group-on-group -group interaction and person-on-person -person interaction, yeah which has a lot of interesting applications. So that's what it was about. Yeah, especially now more than ever. And yeah, so before sure. Winona, you were at University of Dayton. So how was that experience different from that of Winona and how did it prepare you for Winona? Yeah, well, I was a faculty member there. So I was a, um, I started out as an assistant professor in the Department of Psychology, and I taught experimental psych and social psych and environmental human factors, um, stats. And so my life was the life of a faculty member there. Um, I was there for 10 years, and towards the end of that time, we were building a teaching and learning center in the library. And at that point in my career, I was doing some research. I was doing a lot of research on, on group dynamics, team and group dynamics. And, it, and that was the, those were the days when, you know, the internet was coming on strong and there was a lot of interest in how you use technology to improve uh, social interaction and communication. And so that's what I was doing research on. So the university said, hey, you could talk to faculty about that. You know, you could be part of our teaching and learning center so I said, okay, and I was the director of that. I was a co-director with a team of people of that, uh, that new teaching and learning center towards the end of my 
career at Dayton. And then when this job opened up, it was very similar to what I was doing there. So at UD, I was at the end there, I was half in the department and half an administrator of this teaching and learning center. And then when the job opened up here in Winona, it was just a really good match for me and, and my family. And and it was uh, exclusively doing what I was sort of doing part-time at, at UD. And so it was, it was, it was a good choice. Yeah. Uh, and I've been able to teach here every once in a while when the psych department needs me and, and that's been fun. So I really do miss it a lot. I, I miss being a faculty member. I, I think once you're your faculty member, you're always a faculty member. And so I still feel like I'm a faculty member at heart. Um, and, uh, it's been nice to be able to teach every once in a while. So that's a unique path and how you're sort of, yeah, you're, you're sort of a jack of all trades, you know, not of one specifically, um, mixed in between them. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think, I think, you know, life takes you in different directions. It's really, you know, there's, there's a really good connection though, between psychology and, um, what I'm doing now. And so I've always felt like I benefited a lot from that background. Um, and then helping faculty, it helps to have been a faculty member because you know what that life is like and the challenges that faculty face. Um, so that's been helpful, I think, for me. Talk a little about Winona State and its status as a laptop university. Is that sort of unique or is that beginning to be more common? No, it's it's becoming less common actually. So when um, when I came here, we were higher education was right. It was two thousand and two, and higher ed was right in the middle of what they used to call the ubiquitous computing movement. So every school in the country was trying to figure out a way to uh, get students give students uh, access to the internet, right? So. I think everybody realized that that was going to be really important and schools needed to provide that access. So they had schools that had different choices and you could, you know, some, a lot of them chose to, to go sort of a BYOD or bring your own device route. And then they would um, create computing labs where you could go to get access to some of the higher end stuff. Uh, But a lot of campuses at that time, uh, decided to go in another direction, which was to do some sort of a a program where they would be uh, centrally supporting um, a device of some sort. It was typically, it, it became a laptop um, pretty quickly. Uh, and, uh, and to provide a laptop to students, to every student, uh, and then provide software and services as a package uh, for students. So that was on, you know, the BYOD thing was on one end of the spectrum, just bring whatever you have with you. And then the program we went with was on the other end of the spectrum, which was more of a, here's, you know, we're going to give everybody something so we know what you have. And everybody has something, you know, has what they need. And we can deliver services to you around that, around that hardware and software package that we're delivering. So and then there were a couple of different models in between, but that was that was one of the things that attracted me to to Winona State. So you had already started the laptop program, um, what is now the E Warrior Digital Life and Learning Program in the like late '90s. So '97, I think, is when they started piloting it. So when I got here in 2002, they were just almost done implementing it. And they were rolling it out a year at a time. So I think by 2003, uh, everybody had one at that point. It was out of the pilot phase and into the mainstream phase. And um, yeah, that was really attractive to me because there's so many benefits of having a program like that. And it makes it so much easier to help people use technology when you know that they all have it and you know what they have and you know, when faculty know what students are walking into class with, it just makes it so much easier for them to prepare things that leverage that, uh, that it made my job a lot easier. So, um, yeah, that was a, it was appealing. And then as, as the years went by, um, I think more schools have now gone to more of a 
bring your own device uh, approach. Uh, and there are fewer schools that are doing the laptop program approach. So we're we're one of the few schools that has maintained that that commitment uh, to our credit. I think um, I think we'll eventually come to a point where you can rely on everybody having something and everybody having the same level of technology that they need to be successful in college and having it be so reliable that you're never without, you know, I mean, if you're weak without technology anymore, you're in trouble, right? Like if you have to send your laptop away to Dell to get fixed um, and there's not, you know, anyway, you, you get the picture. So I don't think, I don't think we're at that level yet. We're beat where we can really depend on BYOD to, to, to hit that level of performance that we want. So I'm glad that we still have the program. It's I think it still meets the need. Cool, and sort of elaborate how that has worked in the current COVID context. Has that been just a huge boon in terms of rollout or has it been I, mixed? The, the, the former, so we i i'm i'm it might not feel like it because it's such a stressful time and um everybody's uh you know world is kind of uh jumbled but um we experienced much less jumble than students and faculty at other institutions right when when that happened in march so um yeah it, it was a pain in the butt but we transitioned to in March to that emergency course, you know, online course delivery mode very quickly compared to other institutions and much more smoothly because we had the eWarrior program. And so you could just grab your laptop and go and you would, you had everything you needed uh, hardware wise. You know, one of the challenges is always, do you have the internet connectivity remotely at home? And that that you know that was a challenge, but I think just in terms of our ability to to meet the the challenges of that COVID experience in spring uh, was huge. And and at that point, a lot of people had been using Zoom already at Winona State. We had actually rolled that out in July, um, and had cut over to it pretty much exclusively for all of our video conferencing. So that wasn't a huge deal to get everybody kind of rolled over to that. Um, so yeah, I think it helped. I think it helped a ton, a lot. Um, and it's tough to see it because you don't see what other people are dealing with at other schools. Uh, but just talking to my colleagues about how other schools handled it, um, I think we were able to, to, to get our feet underneath us a lot faster because of the eWarrior program. And sort of tell me a little bit about those policy changes, both the, like the initial first wave of emergency adaptation and then this summer sort of building the framework of, you know, this fall's coursework. Yeah. I, so when we went online in March, uh, it was all about continuity. It was all about maintaining instruction throughout the, the spring, you know, and finishing up the spring semester with as little interruption as possible. Um, so it wasn't about developing high quality online courses. I mean, that takes a year at least to develop such a class. Uh, so it, it was more about what can we do to continue um, instruction and, and uh, finish up the semester. So a lot of faculty went went online synchronously with Zoom. Um, some did it asynchronously and they recorded their lectures and, and that sort of thing, did online discussions. Some, it was kind of a combination. Um, so our, our strategy there was just to support the heck out of the faculty and students during that time. So I, I thought it was funny how we, you know, we decided to give people an extra week to prepare as if an extra week was gonna really do anything. You know, I mean, when you're in a position like that, I, I think, I'm not, I'm not saying that was a bad idea. I, I think it was helpful, but um, our faculty, I think, rose to the occasion and, and did what they needed to do to keep, to keep the wheels on the bus. And, uh, and then when we hit, when we hit the summer, 
they were able to take a deep breath, I think, and really think about the fall and what they, you know, what they needed to do. So our strategy in the spring was provide as much support as possible. So what we did in TLT, as soon as we knew things were shutting down, is we opened up a Zoom room and we were in there seven days a week from 7.30 in the morning till 11 at night, seven days a week. Um, and we stayed there all semester. So as fact, the, for the spring semester, so as faculty needed help, they could just pop into Zoom from wherever they were, and then we could help them out. And, and we had, you know, thousands of visits during the, during that, those few weeks, you know, the end of the semester. And then we, you know, we started working with faculty at that time to, to um, shore up the, their courses for online delivery for the fall. And so, the, you know, the next phase of this was the summer phase where faculty were planning what to do in the fall. And most faculty during the summer are not under contract. So they are, um, they're working um, on their courses as best they can. And we were open that entire time, TLT was, and helping them out. And, and we were busy. They were working hard. Um, and they even even a couple of months is not enough time to build a fully featured online learning experience for 15 weeks. Uh, so they were still up against it, but they had a little bit more time to implement some things that they didn't have time to do in spring. And then the other strategic move that I thought was a good one that, that the university made during the summer is they left it up to the faculty to decide how to deliver their courses. So other institutions, faculty were told what to do. They were told, okay, you got to deliver one online, one face-to-face, and one hybrid or something like that. So at Winona State, it was up to the faculty. They could decide. And then um, we just, we, we worked with them. We sort of divided them into groups to, uh, based on whether they were going fully online in the fall, hybrid, or face-to-face, and, um, and then worked with them to, to do the things they needed to do to get ready. And those were sort of under, there were, there were two categories of things. So um, the one that was the more challenging was how do you make face-to-face classes safe in the fall? Uh, we, prob- we probably put more work into that during the summer then we put into how do you make online courses better, um, more engaging, you know, more humanized. Uh, we did work hard on that and faculty worked hard on that, but faculty were already pretty skillful in, in doing that, in knowing how to do that. Whether they had enough time to do the things they wanted to do was another issue, but they had the skills. Most of them had the skills to, to do that work. And they would call us when they had questions. We did have a couple of classes that we rolled out for them. I mean, most of our work with them was one-on-one, just-in-time, and project-focused. But uh, we did do a couple of classes for faculty in the summer who needed sort of a boot camp experience on things like Brightspace, you know, D2L and Zoom and MediaSpace. And then we did a higher-end class uh, that focused on developing really engaging activities online. Um, and so th- those were well attended. Uh, so that was sort of phase two. And then phase three is the phase we're in right now, which is um, helping people as they need help, as they're implementing their chosen um, delivery method. And there were some last minute shifts, as you know. I mean, there were some faculty who had intended to do fully in person and then decided Okay, I'm going to do online instead. Um, so we we were dealing with that sort of right away in the beginning, and then the other thing we've been dealing with a lot this semester is uh, just responding to students who have to quarantine or isolate, right? And, and if they're in hybrid or in-person courses, how do you do that? And so because we're responsible for technology in classrooms, we're uh, we're rolling out the cameras into classrooms. You know, we're helping bring remote students into Manet 334 or wherever people are um, using technology. And that's all being driven by the faculty members too. So they decide how they want to do that. And then we help them, you know, we help them do it. 
So that's where we're, and now we're actually in phase four, which is how is this going to go in spring? So uh, today, in fact, we will know who's teaching in what way. Uh, so all that information will be entered by the end of the day into our student record system. And then we can pull that official data out and start working with groups of faculty again, moving towards the fall. So um, we're excited about that. Yeah. Uh, not the fall, the spring, moving towards the spring. What's your hope for yeah. freshmen as it pertains to TLT? Well, I, uh, I mean, I'm teaching, a, I act, I'm actually teaching a section of Psych 210, which is pretty much all first year students this semester. So I'm living the dream. I'm living the, you know, the reality of COVID. So, um, you know, I, all the time, my, my, my best, you know, my, my hope is that um, students uh, get, uh, they, they get off to a good start first year students, they get the help that they need. They realize that they're not out on an island, that one of the best things about technology at Winona State is, isn't the technology, it's the people who can help you learn how to use the technology. It's the people who can fix the problems that you're having. So hopefully all of the students know where to go to get help at this point, and they feel comfortable doing that. Uh, and hopefully they're benefiting from the technology they have access to. So they're finding the wireless to be reliable, they're you know they're finding their laptops to be firing on all cylinders. They're able to communicate with their faculty effectively. So the technology is kind of starting to blend into the woodwork at this point, and it's just it's just working. Um, and and they're they're uh, they're adjusting. You know, I I I hope uh, and you always hope that that they're meeting people that they're they're finding their way in college that they're finding things that they're passionate about that they're clicking with their faculty and they're excited about what they're doing it's really challenging uh this this year um because we're all dealing with this you know this crazy pandemic and all of the challenges it presents but um i i hope they're still getting that experience of um of a of achieving self-actualization, you know, finding out who they are, what they want to do in, in life and starting to move towards that, those goals and that they're finding the help they need to do that effectively. Um, uh, and then the COVID stuff, I just hope that, um, that they're being, they feel like they're being accommodated and, and supported, um, as they have to deal with stuff. So, if they have to quarantine, if they have to isolate, uh, that they're getting the support they need in doing that. And that um, um, if they're at home, you know, that they are still able to connect to campus uh, effectively. So all those things. And, you know, we're monitoring that stuff, uh, trying to keep a close eye on things. We have all kinds of groups that have formed among staff that are focusing on el different elements of of our strategy moving forward. So there's a group that focuses on instruction. There's a group that focuses on events, um, and you know, and those sorts of things. So we're we're collecting a lot of information. We're keeping our eyes open, and um, students have been good about you know telling us what they think and how it's going. So that was a mouthful, but I I hope that's all working well from your point of view. Oh yeah, and if right. it isn't, you know, let us know because there's a lot of people who worry about that a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so. how do you think that freshmen are adjusting based on just like I mean, it's a small little sample size, but in your interaction? Yeah. So, starting from me personally, I, I've, uh, I think um, people really need other people, right? We're social creatures. We, we want to be with other people and not, not online. And I'm a gamer and I, I live online, right? I mean, I'm so used to interacting with people online and being part of online communities and that sort of thing, but there's certain things you just can't do online. And so I think people are really missing, are missing that. And I hope that, 
um, first year students are adjusting and finding ways to, you know, to get that people energy in their, in their lives and finding pods of people to interact with, you know, with their masks on at a proper distance, but, uh, they're, they're, they're getting that, that contact comfort. Um, and I think, I think judging by the people I've talked to personally, I feel like that's happening. I think we're all really weary of this and, uh, it's, you know, we gotta, we gotta stay the course. We're doing the right thing. It's not going to be forever. And I think people are, are, are understanding that. Uh, so in general, I think long story short, I think people are adjusting. They're, they're trying to make the best out of a bad situation. Um, you know, and I hope we can continue doing that. I, I know we can. Um, and we just need to keep the lines of communication open. And uh, if you don't like something, let's change it. You know, talk talk to people about it and figure it out. Yeah. So I think I think I think we're strong, you know, in Minnesota. We're we've got uh, we've we've faced hard things in our lives in the past, and I mean, I, I think we have a hard time delaying gratification, and we're we can be impulsive and. Sometimes we don't make the best decisions, but I think in our hearts and minds, we know what we're doing is the right thing. And we know, you know, we're focused, students are focused on, on, uh, on, on learning, right? And yeah, you know, it's rough when you can't do the fun stuff that you want to do. But, uh, you know, I think my stu the students I interact with, they're very serious about the courses they're taking and you know, and, and getting on with their lives and becoming professionals and, and the, the reasons they're here. Right. And, and so, um, that's good. I, I've, I've not ever seen chattier students in my class. So they like, like I, I'm teaching hybrid. So I meet once a week I've divided, I I've got 70 students in my class and I meet with a group, uh, a third of them once a week. Right. And so, uh, there's, you know, people are talking in class. Uh, I think they want to be, I asked them mid semester, do you want to keep doing this? You want to keep meeting in class? Yes, they want to do that. So we'll keep doing that. Um, but they understand what the deal is and they're, they're, you know, they're doing what they need to do to keep safe and to keep other people safe. And uh, so, what courses are you teaching now and how are they sort of different compared to a normal year, both in terms of how you're delivering them and how people are reacting and interacting with them? Yeah, so I'm teaching just one course. It's uh, Psych 210, Introduction to Psychological Science. Um, and it's uh, 70 students. And I decided to do it hybrid. Um, so we meet once a week. Uh, and the rest of it is online. Um, we did, we had to do the whole zoom thing for two weeks, like everybody did. So I, when that happened, we went to the self-imposed quarantine. I just decided to meet in zoom at our regularly scheduled time. Um, you know, I'm putting a lot of time and effort into the online component of the class. I communicate with students pretty much daily. Uh, I'm doing it in D2L. I'm doing it in teams. So they, they're, we're texting each other in teams. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to find every way possible to, to stay in connection with them, to stay present in the class. It's rough. And I'm teaching one class. Most faculty are teaching four, right? Um, that's tough. It's tough to stay connected with uh, when you have that many uh, classes. And uh, that's been the biggest challenge is just, you know, when, when you're teaching online and when you're taking a class online, it's um, sometimes easy to get lost, to, to kind of lose connection with what's going on. Uh, and you feel that e either by feeling like you're just lonesome and no one's there, it's just you in D2L and you also feel that by kind of being disoriented and not knowing what I'm supposed to be doing every day. Whereas when you go to class, you know, the teacher says, don't forget, you know, do your paper tonight. 
Um, so what you want to do when you're teaching online is you want to overcompensate and give more of that structure and information to students so they don't lose their way and so they feel like somebody's watching out for them. And so that's the biggest adjustment. Even when you're teaching hybrid, if you're not meeting with people as much as you usually do, you need to supplement that, uh, that interaction with something else. Um, and we work with a lot of faculty who are teaching online and they're doing that, you know, they're, they know how to do that. It's a challenge to do that because it's a lot of work. Um, but, uh, they have the tools and the skills to make it happen. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big adjustment. Um, you know, I, I think, um, I think that it, it's positive in the sense that I think we all took face to face for granted in not just at Winona state, but in higher ed in general. So we, um, I think one of the things we re we are realizing through all of this is just how precious that time together is and how you want to optimize it when you are together. And hopefully that will, is something that will come out of this, that it's really caused me to think, why am I asking my students to come to Manet 334 and sit in those chairs, right? Like, what, a, what are they actually doing? Are they just sitting there listening to me talk? Or can we be doing something else during that time that merits, you know, risking your life to, to come to that physical space? Uh, there's nothing like at having that hanging over your head to cause you as a teacher to kind of rethink your process. So I think we all took it for granted and now it's causing us, to, it's a gut check for higher ed, causing us to think about, you know, what we're doing together physically uh, when we come together in classrooms and labs. And so that's a good thing. I think we, we needed to do that anyway. I wish, I wish we didn't have to do it under these conditions, but hopefully that's a positive thing. And it's, you know, the tough thing is it's hard not to, it's hard because of COVID and having to be separate uh, by six feet in class. It's not like you can get everybody up and get them working around, a, you know, as a group around something or, so it kind of, it ties your hands a little bit in terms of what you can do when you bring people together in a classroom. So that's been challenging, but um, hopefully, you know, hopefully our, our methods improve as a result of this whole, this whole process. Are you working from home at all? Oh yeah. 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 What, we've been, yeah, go ahead. What's that change like? And like, do you like it more? Is it difficult? Like in, in what ways is it different from your normal? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm working in a profession that is all about, uh, um, using technology. So, and so for me and for my team, it, in terms of productivity, there was no, there really was the, the, the only thing that we do that really requires a physical presence on campus is the classroom stuff. So we, um, we need to be in classrooms and we need to be fixing things and swapping out bulbs and projectors and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, uh, a lot of what we do can be done just as effectively online. And in fact, I think, you know, I think even when we're able to come back to campus as a team, we'll keep our zoom room open, you know, cause people just pop in there, um, in two seconds from wherever they are, we can get them the help they need. And I, I think they've gotten used to that as opposed to getting up, walking over to Maxwell, you know, finding somebody to, to help them. Um, it's been, you know, it's been helpful to, to do that, uh, online and I can do that from my kitchen table. You know, I don't need to be anywhere to do that. We, we definitely miss just like you do. I mean, we miss people being in the same room with people and there's nothing better communication wise than to, to be face to face. Um, but 
we really haven't seen any drop off in our productivity from telework on our team. And, um, yeah, I mean, we meet every morning, we kind of triage all the work that we have to do that day. We're on teams continuously. So we're constantly talking to each other. We were joking the other day. I think we probably talk to each other more now than we did when we were all in the same building, you know? So I'm a, I'm a telework fan. I, I think that's another thing that I think might come out of this whole thing is just the idea that, you know, we, we can, we can do things, uh, online, uh, work-wise that, you know, might help us rethink our physical plant, you know, and how we, and it's, it's, that's true across the board. I mean, I think every organization is kind of rethinking that, you know, the, the big fear was, well, people will get lazy or they'll, they'll go watch TV instead of working or whatever. And, you know, I, we, we certainly haven't seen any of that in, in my department. And what would you say your favorite privilege of working from home is, you know, is it, you know, ultimate, the best coffee or, you know, family time or some balance? Uh, It's not the best coffee. I I make pretty good coffee, but, um, no, I, I think in fact that the balance thing is tough because, um, for, for people who do have childcare responsibilities, that's a, that's a real challenge is to balance that working with, with, you know, taking care of your kids. I think that, you know, it's an interesting word privilege. I, I think it's a good one. I mean, I think, I guess I feel like it has been, I feel lucky for sure to be able to do what I do remotely. Um, so it's the best thing about it has just been, um, I think, um, maybe less disruption. So I'm able to focus more, uh, because I'm that people can't just walk into my office and sit down and start chatting. I miss that. But, um, so that's been, that's been a benefit for me, positive. I can kind of tune things out and zone and focus on what I'm doing more effectively. Um, yeah, getting up and going to the fridge and getting a snack. That's nice, but we have a fridge at work. So I, you know, if I had snacks in the fridge, I could do that. So that's not a huge deal. Seeing my dog walk up to me and pat, patting her on the head. That's nice. So yeah, there's probably some of that stress reduction stuff that factors into it. Um, but yeah, that's a really good question. There's research to be done on that, I think. Yeah. So I mentioned to one of my buddies at the radio here that working from home is sort of standing on the shoulders of technological diet, uh, technological giants. Could you describe some of you know the most important influences and sort of innovations in hardware and software that sort of led us here and gave this ability? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a really important question. So I won't talk about people, but just, um, the, the, you know, the things that are, are obvious now, maybe to a lot of people that have always been obvious to me. And, uh, you know, one is just this idea of online learning. And I think, I think, you know, the day when online learning isn't even a term anymore, I'm looking forward to that. So, Online learning was new 30 years ago. It isn't new now, right? We learn online and it's just learning. It's not online learning. It's just learning. And, you know, if you want to learn how to do something, what is the first thing you do? You look it up online, right? And you use whatever resources you like. So you use YouTube, you use Wikipedia, you, and you don't use the first thing that you find. You triangulate onto the, the right answer. So, uh, the, the fact that we, that we have those resources and we have that, that access to it from home, from wherever we are through multiple devices is, uh, why we are able to function right now, you know, and that took a long time and it's still not ubiquitous, right? So there's still a digital divide. 
Um, there are still people who are struggling to have to, to get high speed access from remote locations. Um, and we did, we dealt with that, uh, this, this spring and, and are still dealing with it. So, you know, one big challenge now is you're not the only person trying to get access to online information in your house. You've got other family members who are working, who are in school, you know, who want to watch Netflix when you have to do a test in D2L, you know, those sorts of things. So there's, we still have a long way to go, but oh my gosh, you know, just having that, that, uh, that resource, that, that utility, uh, that is so easy to access that, uh, that access to the internet. And then the resources that are available once you get there, um, and I'm lucky because I saw I saw what it was like before that, and now I can see what it's like today. Uh, so I, I didn't grow up with the internet all the time. I was there when it happened, and so um, it's huge. I, th I think the the mobility of our hardware and our ability to access information through a variety of devices is huge um, and has played a huge role in our success now. So it's not just about your laptop, it's about your phone. It's about the smart speaker that you have sitting in your kitchen. You know, it's about the watch that you have or the Fitbit that you have, or, you know? So it's that, that ability to access information from your, from wherever you are running, um, down in the basement, you know, wherever in your car, um, is, has changed everything. Uh, so yeah, it, it has, it has been, it's taken a while to put those, that foundation together. Uh, but I always get a kick out of people who, you know, want to have the, is online learning a good thing conversation? It's like, where were you 30 years ago when that was actually a, an issue? Um, it's not, it's, it's not that there aren't things to talk about with respect to online information, but, you know, we're, we're learning online constantly. Um, yeah. And thank goodness, you know, that that's there. And certainly now these days that, that we have to depend on it so much. Uh, I think the other thing it just real quick is the um it's not just about information it's the it's the um social component of it that has evolved so rapidly and thank goodness right yeah there's challenges but the ability to um to zoom with your family now and uh, it's not ideal but to have that contact is it makes all the difference in the world. And that development, the development of technology around collaboration and communication, um, it's a complete game changer. So I think it, it, it has helped with issues of isolation, with just teaching and learning in general, you know, being able to talk to your students without having to be in a classroom, um, huge, yeah. I've, I always tell people, you know, it's, it's just terrible this happened, but it, there, we've never been in a better position to support teaching and learning through technology than we are today. We've never had as good of tools. Uh, the, the ecosystem has never been as usable as it is now. Uh, and now we're dealing with, you know, some of the, the dark side of that, but um, we, you know, we would have to do that anyway. Privacy concerns, um, big data, you know. Facebook being evil, you know, all those sorts of things. <laughs> uh, listen to Connie Camara when she tells you to wear a mask and not interact, you know, stay six feet apart. I think listening to the sign and not, I knew this already, but, um, um, I think uh, this whole thing has been like one big psychology study, right? I mean, it's the it's the gift that keeps on giving. If you're a psychologist, it's a terrible. It's it's not a gift, obviously, but it's it's so rich with um, 
with data and things that you know we've read about and we've done research on and you're just seeing it play out right right in front of you so the conspiracy theories you know counter to the facts and the science and people when they're in stressful situations wanting to follow you know the the cult of personality who's saying uh yeah you know just do this and you'll be fine as opposed to the science the data the um you know the the facts the and so i think um i don't know that it it has taught me this personally but the you know the careful consideration of of data and research and and the importance of science and the importance of education i don't think anybody can look at where we are right now as a society and say that we need to be spending less on education like people we're, we're people are way too educated today like how how can you possibly look at what's going on and think uh think that we need to be in more invested in education there higher education has never been more important than it is right now um and so uh that's a lesson learned for everybody we we became too complacent uh we stopped investing in education both uh, at all at all levels certainly public education if you look at how it's funded now compared to 20 years ago 30 years ago we should all be embarrassed that um that public higher ed is so underfunded uh by the state of Minnesota that um we're at Winona State you know having to come up with 50% of what it costs to run this institution um whereas you know back in the day we we could focus on education because we were getting substantial funding from the state and now we're suffering the consequences of that so i think um lesson learned we need an educated citizenry right we, we you are exactly where you need to be uh right now um to function and be successful in our world moving forward um and we need to just redouble our efforts to invest in in higher ed and make it even more accessible um and um and so hopefully everybody else realizes that as well yeah that's been a huge lesson learned not lesson learned but just a okay you know this is why we're doing this you know this is why colleges exist why wsu exists um yes and and then like i said just the importance of um being together so i think a lot of people think i'm the tech guy like i want everything to be online that's not true i think what this should do is it should help us refocus our strategy on why we bring people to this campus why are students coming here physically what is it about this place that's so important what is it about being together socially that's so important to learning and um let's let's rededicate ourselves to that you know it is important these these universities exist residential campuses exist for a purpose they're here they've been here for so long for good reason and we need to remember what that is and reinvest in it and uh make it even better so that's that's where i'm at and i love technology and it needs to dovetail with online and uh we need to be able to flip quickly uh which we're all learning but there's no better there's nothing better than being together so i'm looking forward to resuming that what your superpower is what would they say uh i don't know i think i think tlt has been successful because we prefer to do things one on one we prefer to talk to people we want to get to know you and what you're doing um there's there's nothing worse than sitting through a 2 hour long workshop about something that you only need to know 10 minutes of so i think where we've been successful is in 
in forming relationships with people so that they trust us. And I think, I don't know that it's my superpower, but I, I think I believe strongly in it. And within my department, we've adopted that as our way of existing that we, you know, we don't want to send you a document that tells you what to do. We have those. We don't want to send you to a workshop where you, you learn what to do. We have those, but we want to, we want to talk to you and form a relationship with you. That's long-term because we're in this for the long haul. And so the, that establishing interpersonal relationships that, and trust that's, that's worked. I think that works. Yeah. Awesome. Superpower. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, not a superpower. It's just common sense. Yeah. And uh, final question. What's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, Wow. Uh, Listen, listen. We like to hear ourselves talk in higher ed. We, we like the sound of our own voices. If you can listen to other people, just shut yourself down for a second and, and listen. That's, I think that's one. And then the other one would be don't do things half-assed. You know, I, my dad always used to say that. I try not to do that. It's hard when you're trying to do 500 things at one time, but, um, you know, pick one thing and kind of work it through and try to do it completely. Uh, that's good advice. I don't know how, how well I follow it, but it's good advice. I try to follow it. I think you'll find it interesting. I interviewed Jeremy Miller, and he had almost the exact same thing. He said, listen twice as much as you speak. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Good advice. Awesome. So, yeah, that's all I have. You've been a fantastic guest. All right. Thanks again to Ken Gretz for joining me today. It was awesome to talk to him and learn about his journey that led him to Winona State Teaching, Learning, and Technology. To see more from Ken, check him out on Twitter at kgretz or on Google Scholar. To learn more about everything in the Winona area, tune into Culture Click Thursday, 1230 on 89.5 KQAL. I'm Matt Drury, and we just heard Dr. Ken Gretz, social psychologist and director of Teaching, Learning, and Technology on Culture Click. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to Culture Click. <laughs>